work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Hebrews 2, therefore. By the way, what is it therefore? From the last chapter working into the next chapter. We must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you again for our time. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just be with Gil and Pam, Lord, up at Duke, that you would just touch them, touch Gil's body specifically. Give Pam the strength to be that caregiver, as well as Bill with his bride, Helen. And so, Lord, that you would do a great miracle. And, Lord, we know that healings happen on planet Earth, but also a healing happens when we get to heaven. And so, Lord, your will be done. We pray this for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom. And so, Lord, touch our hearts once again tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. The writer now has completed that last chapter. And if you weren't with us last week, Hebrews chapter 1, we talked about, we went into depth about uh, the book, the context of the book. Remember, the book is written to Jews who have come to a saving knowledge of Christ but are in a dangerous place of wanting and and societal pressures to slip back to their old world. I know nobody knows what that's like to want to slip back into the old world. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a minute, about drifting away and how easy uh, that is. And last week we saw, because the one of the main themes is that Jesus is better than everything, the writer, and we talked about this, possibly Paul, was telling us, that Jesus is better than the angels. He kind of continues that thought as well. He's going to tell us that he is superior as the Son of Man, and he will be superior above all his creation, and yet he will call us brethren. And we're going to see some amazing verses tonight. We're going to see a verse about fear and death. And listen, that might be you tonight, but you shouldn't fear because as the writer is going to build this, he's going to tell us of the wonderful things that Jesus has done on our behalf. Isn't that good news? Listen, Pastor Chuck used to say this, and it, it is always good for us to remember. Don't give up what you do know for what you don't know. Did everybody hear that? What do you know as we get to the death portion? What do you know about Jesus? And his sacrifice. Okay, so don't give up for the unknown. Don't let that rule your life. And this really, this chapter is going to be an encouragement because Paul is trying to encourage this group not to go backwards, not to drift away, not to go into apostasy. 
Listen, because of the greatness of the giver and because of the greatness of his gift, then those who hear the gospel must give a serious attention to it. Oftentimes we don't look at the gospel and take it very seriously, and the writer wants us to take it seriously because of what we know Jesus went through on our behalf. There is always a danger of drifting away, as this verse says. Look at it again. Therefore, we must give the the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Now, the more earnest heed has not only the idea of hearing, but of doing. And the best thing that a believer can do isn't just come to church on Sunday and Wednesday, but actually put it into use. By the way, one of my favorite things as your pastor is as people leave and file out, they're telling me what God is doing in their life or in that passage. I love this. You weren't talking to anybody else but me today. And I said, I know. I got the call. God said, work on Ian tonight. (laughs) Don't you love that? You're sitting here, you're dealing with something during the week, and bam, God's word nails right where you are. Who loves that? Now, you may not love it. Like, is he really listening to our conversations like Apple and the government on our phones? Yes. All of the above. But notice he says this because he's in his thought about Jesus is better than everything. But then he pauses and he says, all right, everybody needs to take a serious look at where they are because there is a problem that often happens and I guaranteed, I guarantee you that this has happened already in your life at some point. And I'm talking to those who aren't even at church tonight who may have stayed home for the last whatever as we have been open. Take your faith seriously and take the body of Christ seriously. And as we will see, don't be afraid. But he tells this, that if we do not give the more earnest heed, then we run the risk of drifting away. Now, drifting away is something that happens quite automatically. It happens automatically when we are not anchored to something, that we don't have a solid foundation. If we are not anchored in the superiority of Christ, then we will drift with the currents of the world, the flesh, and the devil. One doesn't have to do anything to simply drift away. Most Christians regress slowly. I know this is obvious, but we live in Myrtle Beach. Anybody know? A couple of miles down the road is a big old ocean. The Atlantic. You've been out in the ocean, floating around, wonderful day. The ocean water is like a bathtub in the summertime, right? You're out there. You've got your chair set up. You're out there. And what happens? Anybody? Where you were in the water and where you come out are two different points. Is it perceptible? 
Now, don't shout out. I mean, like, of course, in a storm, right, or you're on a boogie board. But most of the time, you can't even realize you're drifting. I love it. When you're on the river, right, the Waccamaw, you're in a boat. Do you put boat your boat on drift? You're like, this is great, but I want to drift. Drift. It naturally goes with the what? The current. So too out in the ocean. You're sitting there. You know where your stuff is. I don't know about you, but sometimes you're way far away. You're like, what happened? Um, and as parents, right, we've got kids. You're watching them out in the water. You rarely look at anything but your kids, and you're watching them, and then the mom does the signal, right? The mom signal. You know, you're too far away. Come back so we can see you. But they don't know they're drifting away. So to the believer, he has to be very careful because it's it's oftentimes you can't even see that you have been drifting away. And I'm drifting away from the anchor, and that anchor is Christ. It is so easy in our modern world, in the United States of America, to drift away from other believers and the church. You know what happens? Well, not even COVID happens. Just you, you do work on a Sunday one time. And you didn't show up. And what's the next week? Well, or your kid had a sports game. Let me, I, I don't want to get into this tonight, but are you a parents and your kids are on doing sports on Sunday? You need to knock that off. If your kids know that sports are more important than God, there's an issue. You need to curtail that. I don't know about you, but I, when I grew up, oh, now I get to say that even more over 50. Darn it. But when I was a kid, did we have sports on Sunday? No. There were no organized sports on Sunday. That was for the NFL or whatever. But when you were on a baseball league or football or soccer, you didn't play on Sunday. Isn't it interesting that now most of the stuff is on Sunday? Why is that? I'll tell you why. So that families are not together in the house of God you got to be careful about that. And so you think, well, it's just a season, and we'll do this season. But as you're further away from church, are you excited to get back? Now, some people can do that, but others cannot. Or they've been offended at church, or something happened, and they, "Ah, I'm not going to it this week or that week, and they find themselves so far away. You ever been far enough away from the shore that you can't see the shore? That's called frightening because now I have no bearing. Now I've lost where my position is. And if you can't see Jesus, you've got a problem tonight. Now granted, you're here. It's Wednesday night. Kudos to you. <laughs> but there are a lot of people that are listening online. I saw a Barna study recently. I can't give you the the total facts of the number, but I was kind of disturbed by it and then kind of impressed by it. They had three different groups. They had the boomers, they had Gen X, and then they had the millennials. And their research was what happened to that group far as attendance uh, after the lockdowns, right? And, and still there are lockdowns. Well, the boomers 
only 26% stop going to church, and they're still not at church. So woohoo boomers there. Uh, that's good. I'm not a boomer, so don't look at me like that. <laughs> Gen X was around 37% of that group stopped going to church, which means they haven't gone back. Sadly, the millennials, and we don't see that in our church. We think the millennials are awesome, by the way. I'm looking at you millennials, great. But in the, the survey, 50% of them are not back in church. And I don't mean to say it this way because I don't want to say it about any church, but a lot of millennials go to a church that's like a new app on their phone. And it's all exciting and whatever. And then, But when it's gone and it's shut down, they don't know what to do because they haven't also been properly taught. And so what do they do? Verse 1, they drift away. Where are they? If you hear me, you're on <laughs> watching us over the Internet or over the radio, come back to church. Well, I feel awkward not coming to church after five months. I don't care. No one's going to pin a, a label on you. You're a five-monther. You have to sit in the back. God just wants you to, to be in fellowship. I can't believe that I'm saying that. I mean, in over 20 years of ministry, to tell people to get back in church? And we're going to see it's directly related to fear as well. But we need to remember, verse 1, <laughs> I'm supposed to get through this chapter, so enough with the verse 1. Therefore, we must give an a more earnest heed, which means you have to fight the flesh to come to church. You got to take it seriously. You got to take your walk seriously, lest you drift away. And as a pastor, I've seen a lot of people just drift away, and they are not in fellowship anymore. Don't do it. You miss a Sunday, okay, come back. You miss a Wednesday, okay, come back. Get back into church. Four. If the word spoken through angels, and again, he comes back to this topic, proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, speaking of the Old Testament, how shall we, speaking of the New Testament, if we neglect such a great salvation, which at first began spoken by the Lord Jesus, right, and was confirmed to us by those who had heard it? So now the argument moves from the lesser to the greater. If those who broke the law were punished in the Old Testament, what will be the fate of those who neglect the gospel? You see, the law tells men and women that they must do this or that. The gospel tells men and women that God has already done that work, the finished work upon the cross. By the law is the knowledge of sin, but by the gospel is the knowledge of salvation. He says, if we take the word which came by angels seriously in the Old Testament, how much more should we take the word of God that came from the Son of God directly? We've been talking about this on Sunday mornings and how the religious leaders have rejected the Son of Man and how harshly they will be judged because of that. Now, this word neglect is interesting. Listen, everybody who's asleep, perk up. Therefore, we must not neglect such a great salvation. The word neglect is used in Matthew 22, 5, and it says that they may light of it, 
of those who disregarded the invitation to the marriage supper. It means to have the opportunity, but to ignore or disregard. So we could neglect something. We can make light of it, even inside of the church. Remember, this is not written to unbelievers. This book is written to believers. And so the danger describing isn't reflecting salvation. It's neglecting it, not rejecting it. And people are rejecting this, the salvation of Jesus all the time, but not neglecting it like we can. It's power to make light of it. You get saved, and then all of a sudden we start getting all Christian. And I mean that in a cultural way. We, we learn how to talk. Christian needs be warm and filled, brother. Go in peace. You don't know Christianese? Oh, we all do. We can, I'll pray for you. You won't, but you say it. Don't say that unless you're going to do it. Remember, the Hebrews was written primarily not as an evangelistic track, but as an encouragement and a warning to discouraged Christians and those who were neglecting their walk. And he tells us, to take heed to that. Mm -hmm. Four, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His will. And so the gospel in the beginning, if you look at the book of Acts, you'll see great miracles, great signs that were happening in that to declare what God was doing, this new work inside of the church. For he, verse 5, has not put the world to come of which we speak in subject to angels. So now he goes back to that topic of angels. He's going to tell us that it is us that are going to rule and reign and not an angel on planet earth. Notice he says, but one testifies in a certain place out of Psalms, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? or you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory. Speaking of Christ and honor, and set him over the works of your hand. In the scale of creation, man had been given a lower place of the angels, but as well as Christ, and we're going to see this tie together here in a minute. Man is, has been limited to his knowledge and mobility and power. Man is subject to death, unlike the angels. And yet, notice this at the end, how he tells us that we are destined to be crowned with glory and honor, just like Christ did. Does that mean that we will become gods? No. Everybody get that? Was that strong enough? Because there's a group that says we will. No, we won't. And you're not getting your own planet. But we will be crowned with glory and honor, even enduring this life. I think we're going to get a special COVID reward. Like the guys in the 1700s, he had the plague, nothing like COVID-19. Little COVID-19 star on your... Notice that he has put all things, what are all things? All things. In subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, 
he left nothing. What is nothing? That means Jesus is in full control of everything, even what's going on right now. God's on the throne. He's not like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. He sees everything and knows everything. And he has left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, which means it's not done yet. And there are things which we haven't seen. Uh, Paul also describes that now we're looking in a mirror dimly, but soon we will see and be like him, which means we will see all, of th- all things. I, I can't wait to see everything. But remember, it's all Jesus. Verse 9, highlighters out, pencils out. But we see who? Now, remember, Paul the Apostle has been telling us a lot about angels. And inside of the Jewish community, angels were something to be reverenced and to to be held up. And so what the writer tells us, it's not about the angels, it's about who? I want you to note that we see Jesus. We don't see anything else. And and I don't mean to say it this way, but you shouldn't see me or any other leader like that. You should see Jesus. Again, that's why he's on the back wall. I want it always to be known it's about him and not about me or any other organization. But we see Jesus. Again, notice how he ties this together. Who has made us a little lower than the angels uh, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. So did you see that? God's doing the same work that he did in Jesus, and he bestows that upon us, but we're not God's. (laughs) Got to make that again. And that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. And the idea of tasting death is it's complete. So what did Jesus do for us? And now the writer is going to describe that for us. Number one, He was made a little lower than the angels, so a little less in that. Still fully God, but the little lower puts him where? Did you you guys pick that up? Puts us with us. Humanity. Fully God, fully man. How does that work? How can you have 100% and 100%? Yep. That's how it works. You like that? Yep. That's how it works. Well, I don't get it. You don't have to. You don't have, and and I don't want to say it this way, you don't have to know everything about God now. And there is a group of people who think that, that they have to search that out and find it out and find the deep and this and the that and these Bible codes. That, That is, look, just have your walk with God and be okay with not knowing a whole lot and using the 3% of the brain we are. Some of you, I don't know. Notice that he has crowned him with glory and honor, and that he, Jesus, by the grace of God, might taste death for everybody. You see, Jesus tasted, as we see, he will be the payment for our sin. The good news tonight is that you don't have to fear death. Why? Because Jesus did the work. That's the good news. Now listen, these Hebrews are forgetting that. And they're thinking, no, I got to do the work myself. Isn't Judaism about works? The church is 
about what Jesus already did upon, uh, did for us upon the cross. I don't get into heaven by my works. And so the Jews are starting to forget that, these Jewish Christians. Notice that it was fitting for him, that's Jesus, for whom all things, how many are all things? All things. And by whom all things are all things. In bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through his suffering. What did that just say? Anyone else confused? This is going to happen through Hebrews. Prepare yourself. You're going to read a verse and you're like, I don't get it. It says it's in English. And I don't get it. Listen, let's read it again. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things and by whom all things, in bringing many sons to glory. The idea is that he is bringing into the kingdom us. Notice, uh, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through his suffering. So upon the cross, his suffering, as we saw on Sunday, his beating that he received before the cross is also that you and I get in. Amen? That he becomes the fulfillment of the Old Testament lamb, the sacrifice who takes away the sins of the world. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that's us, we're being the sanctifieds, are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call you what? He's, the Bible says he no longer calls us servants, but he calls us friends. Are you ready for it? The God of the universe wants to hang out with you. But I'm a sinner. Yeah, he knows that. And he did it anyway. Do you know that Jesus not only loves you, but likes you? Wow. He did that. Notice, he is not ashamed to call you brother. Maybe you were raised in a, in a family that you were the black sheep, that you were the outcast of the family. Maybe in high school, you weren't as cool. Guys, I wasn't cool either, but look at me now. That's right. <laughs> Maybe you weren't in that crowd and you didn't have a lot of friends and people put you down for your haircut or the way you dressed or whatever, right? But there is one person, Jesus. He's okay with you. And he calls you not only friend, but brethren. Isn't that amazing? Saying that I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children of whom God has given me. In as so much, verse 14, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Mm, what is flesh and blood? Anybody? Now, listen. Anybody know how you were born? Jesus was born in, in like manner, flesh and blood. Now, he himself likewise shared in the same, that and then not only the birth, but now his death, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, that devil. 
Genesis, what happens? Adam and Eve, perfectly created, walking around, sons and daughter of the Most High God, dwelling in light, amazing, eating of the garden. (laughs) They're not meat eaters yet. That'll come later. Eating whatever, having fellowship. But God said they walked in the cool of the morning together. God was fellowshipping with them. Jesus himself was there in fellowship with them. And then the devil, remember that? And Eve, we don't know where Adam was, probably fishing somewhere else. Wherever he was, he wasn't protecting his bride. And there is Eve talking to the serpent, who we know is the devil, who beguiled her, the New Testament tells us. And she partake of the fruit and she gave it to her husband and then they sinned. God removed them from Eden. And at that moment when Adam handed over the the deed to planet earth, because Adam had it in his hand, it was deeded over to the devil. And this is not in uh, Jesus knows this to be true. He will take that deed back. We'll get to that in Revelation. That'll be fun. He'll take that back. But right now, the the devil has free reign on this planet. He's the prince of the power of the air. Why do you think we have such a hard time with Christian radio? Because the devil doesn't want it. He doesn't want the good news to go over the air. But by Jesus' death, verse 14... It destroys the power of death and that he robs the devil of that power. How can a man dying on a cross defeat the devil? Isn't that great? It's his shed blood because Jesus never, anyone? Sinned. Oh, they're good. Everybody's half awake. (laughs) He never sinned. So he's the perfect lamb of God. And it is only one man that could have ever done that. No other man, no other woman could ever have paid for the debt of all mankind like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited that he destroyed the power of death from the devil. Jesus has won. Sadly, the devil doesn't really, I mean, he knows scripture whether or not he's deceived into thinking that he is going to win, but he's still trying, isn't he? How many people is he still trying to take with him? And then when we get to Revelation, he realizes, so something like ding, ding, dings in his head that he only has a little time left, and then he goes nuts. You think 2020 was bad. Wait till the devil is loosed and can't get access back into heaven. He's going to be... Don't freak out, church. We're not here. We'll get into that in Revelation. But just know, here's part of the good news. Jesus won. The devil didn't. Woohoo! Jesus. Not only that is he's going to tell us that he has conquered death on our behalf, right? So we don't have to, as he will say in a minute, fear that. All right, well, let's read it. 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Do you know anybody aside from a believer that isn't afraid to die? 
It's on their number one list. What are you afraid of? All right, death. Well, that's pretty much on everybody's list. Second is usually talking in front of a group. Do you know that most people would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy? You didn't know that, did you? You're going to use that tomorrow at work. People are afraid of death. Case in point, 2020. I'm not. I'm not afraid of death at all. Why? I got my Bible right here. Don't you have your Bible? And does it not say what Jesus did, did, just did, did, (laughs) on our behalf? That he conquered death? He kicked that devil right to the curb? Therefore, you should not worry about, all right, so the main, maybe the pain part of the dying is going to stink, but when you close your eyes, when that heartbeat stops, when those brainwaves stop and you open up your eyes, you will see Jesus. What is greater than that? Nothing. The writer wants us to be encouraged. I don't know about you, but keep reading Hebrews in 2021 is a great encouragement for us. And he released those who through fear of death, no believer. Listen, and I don't mean this in a, in a condemning way, but if you're a believer, you should have no fear of death at all. Again, that doesn't mean we walk in front of a bus. It just means whatever is going to befall me is going to befall me. And everybody has an appointment with death. We'll get to that. Everybody is appointed unto death. And then the judgment. Everybody. But for the believer, Jesus paid for that. He conquered it. So I don't have to fear it. Therefore, my bonds of a lifetime are broken. Is that not good news on a Wednesday night or what? Do you know people like this? Was this you before Jesus? And if this is you now, right now, you're listening, you're here. When we end, you pray, Lord, would you forgive me for not trusting in you and believing your word and drifting away from the promise that you have already conquered death on my behalf? And I don't want that fear anymore. Do you know what's going to happen when you give God that fear, that bondage? You are going to be released from that. I remember a long time ago, I prayed when we were starting the church. I said, Lord, would you just please take the love of money away from me? That, that's one issue that I don't have to deal with from this point on. You know what he did? He actually did that. I'm very thankful for that. I don't care. Now, my wife does. Like, you might want to care a little bit more. I'm just joking. She doesn't say that. But I love that I'm not like have to do this or get that car or get this to be and have the second boat and the second this and that. And if I've got Walmart clothes on, all right. And I didn't spend 80 bucks on a shirt. Now, granted, it's Chinese, but they're all Chinese. Or Bangladesh. Listen. Today, are you afraid? I'm looking at you at home. You're listening over the radio. You're afraid of what's going on on planet Earth. You shouldn't be. Not as a believer. It should not dominate your life. I'm not telling you to be dumb. I'm telling you to be wise. 
What's, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to us? We look at Jesus. This is not our home. We are just here temporarily. You ever been on, you ever been at a theme park and you're on that, um, that tram that goes from the parking to the, the entrance, right? And you're, sometimes if you park, you got there late, right? And you're in the Disney parking lot and you're like at row Z. And sometimes it takes a long time to get there, but you, you know you're going to get there. We're on the tram. Pretty soon you're going to hear that cool music. And we're going to come right in. And we're going to enter into the glory. Why? Because Jesus did the work. And I love that verse 15 is here. And maybe you need to underline it. And maybe you need to lovingly send this out in a text or an email to somebody that you know that is so afraid. Don't be afraid. For indeed, <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, but I love this. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels. Angels can't be redeemed, the writer says. But he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. God gives aid to us, to all who call upon his name. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. That's us. So Jesus needed to be like us, his brethren, that he might be a merciful high priest. I'm sorry, a merciful, faithful high priest in pertaining to God to make the payment, that's the uh, word propitiation, for the sins of the people. Jesus had to become like us, but without sin, to be the payment to the Father. (laughs) That's that word, propitiation, the payment for our sin. Now notice this last verse tonight. For in that he himself has suffered, we will start getting into his suffering on Sunday morning. We got a little bit of that on Sunday about him being beaten, right? So we're starting to see that suffering. But pretty soon he's going to say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? Up to that point, Jesus had never not been in fellowship with the Father and with the Spirit. That's suffering. For he has suffered, notice, being tempted. And here's the promise. But he is able to aid those who are tempted. He's going to tell us a little later that we don't have a high priest that, can, that does not sympathize with our weakness. Because in all things he was tempted, but without sin. It's great that Jesus can give you aid tonight, today for whatever you are going through, because he has gone through the same thing, but without sin. Listen, the good news tonight is several things, and there is a stiff warning. And the warning is that we must give a more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest you drift away. I speak to everyone that that are not here tonight. How far are you from God? Because if you're not anchored in him, uh, friends of mine long ago wrote this song called Anchored Deep. 
And the whole premise of the song was the anchor that they had in Jesus went so deep, it, it never would, they would never drift away from it. How deep does your anchor go? How secure are you in Christ? There is a warning that we would not drift away. And I mean, there, there's a ton in here, but I, I just want to focus on these two last things. That he has released those from fear. Isn't that interesting that he says that fear is bondage? Isn't that interesting? That you, you don't even realize that you are chained down by fear. I knew somebody, and again, this is not me putting anybody down. Everybody got that? No letters tonight to me. Don't post anything about on Facebook or YouTube. I used to know somebody that had a fear of going over a bridge. And couldn't come to church. Because of it, I'm like, you are a daughter of the Most High God. You are allowing the fear of the enemy to to not have you in fellowship. Now, I'm not talking about a bridge uh, that is like the big bridge over uh, Charleston. That's a tall bridge. I'm talking about just a normal bridge over a river. Not big at all. And she couldn't do it. She was gripped in fear, and it kept her from fellowship. I speak to anybody today that 2020, you have allowed fear to keep you in your home and keep you away from the body of Christ. Listen, people know that you're a believer in your community. They know it. Are you a, are, are you a good witness? Well, Jesus can set you free from all this other stuff, but not this. We have to be careful with that. We have to be a good witness. We have to let people know that Jesus has conquered all of that, and he has removed that fear. And again, I'm not saying not to be smart and to be wise. There are people that probably need to stay away for a little bit because of compromise immunity. What happens in a normal flu season? (laughs) You hear a bunch of people are getting flu. Okay, I'm not going to be around that. That's called wise. But you don't do that for an entire year. Guys, we really got to believe this book. Because that's what he says. Give the the more earnest heed to this book. Hey, I don't want to go down this path because I really wanted to end at 40 minutes, but that's not going to happen. Do you know how many Christians through the last 2,000 years have ministered to people who had all kinds of plagues and diseases and willingly walked into that, knowing what they were walking into and ministered to them anyway? Because they knew the Bible. They knew that, okay, I'm going to go minister to these people who are hurting, and if I get it, okay, God will either deliver me or he will take me home, and then I'm delivered anyway. But you can't let fear dominate you. And lastly, listen, let let God aid you. Isn't that great? What is aid? 
You know, you think about an area, Africa or India, they get hit by an earthquake or a tsunami and we send aid to them, stuff that will help them in their daily life. You think Jesus can help you in your daily life? To send you aid in your time of trouble, what you're going through, being tempted because he has been tempted, and yet without sin. Well, read ahead next week. This is going to be a shocker to the group. Jesus is greater than Moses. <gasps> Those are fighting words. In this day, you, don't, you wouldn't say anything against Moses. He's the greatest. He's like the Muhammad Ali of the Old Testament. Some of you will get that. Okay, read ahead. Sunday morning, we'll be still in the book of Luke. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. We thank you, Lord, that you can aid us in our time of trouble. Lord, that you have delivered us from fear, from the bondage that the devil puts on mankind. This is all demonic. It is oppression. Lord, and as the, the church, we can't let it bring us down. So, Lord, that you would protect us. Just like your word says when... We're in a place eating food that we don't know. We pray that this food would nourish our body and and wouldn't harm us. So too as we are with the body of Christ. That Lord, whatever is out there, be it COVID or the flu or the uh, whatever, that we would be protected by that. And if not, Lord, that we would soon go home to be with you. Thank you, Lord, that we have your word and we need to take it seriously. Take heed, the most more earnest heed, lest we drift away. And I pray for anybody today who has drifted away, come back to church. God loves you. We love you. We just want to see you in fellowship again. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.